we're back. It's Film Stuck. And this is part two of our public service episode. Uh, we're going to talk again about the films that don't suck, according to us, and educate you about what's, what's good to watch out there. <laughs> Nothing but education from Film Suck. <laughs> we're committed to it. But yeah, but before I guess we move to, <laughs> to our lists, uh, mm-hmm. we just want to, I guess, briefly talk about what we've been up to. Yeah, Eileen, do, do, do you want to start? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Did you see, yeah. Well, I, I, what I've really been wanting to see, I should say, I should note, to be honest, mm-hmm. is, is John Wick 3. But it turns out that everyone in the United States wants to see John Wick 3. Was that so, Angelica Houston, you mean? That one. Jo- is she in it? No, no, Halle Berry's in it. I don't, I don't know if Angelica Houston's Wait, in it. Now if so, I'm now confused. I'm excited. It's the, you know, the Keanu Reeves action film. Is she in yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. Angelica Houston is oh my she's promoting it it's right even, now. It's even better <laughs> yes. then. It's even better. Okay. So everyone in America is trying to go to John Wick 3. Um, for those of you, you know, snob cinephiles, that's what's actually happening. And we were trying to go with some friends of ours who also want to see it. And it was completely sold out. Completely sold out, basically. That's crazy. <laughs> for the, yeah, that was the first premiere, weekend. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it was just starting for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, you just couldn't get tickets. So we, now we're seeing it the following Friday. So during my frustra- period of frustration, a friend of mine invited me to see another film. But of course, it's the opposite kind of film, which is it's part of the, the San Francisco Silent Film Festival. So she actually, she's been on Dolores McElroy, who's writing a dissertation on the diva. She wanted to see one of the old Italian diva films from the 19, mid-1910s, early to mid. Um, and it was it's a lost film. It was called, uh, I think it's called Rhapsody Satanica. It's about a, it's a Faust story for a woman about how a woman uh, makes a pact with the devil in order to be young and beautiful again. And of course that never goes well. No Faustian pacts ever go well. <laughs> this is a bit like, uh, but probably more serious. Or is it funny too? Like death becomes her? Oh no, this is totally serious. <laughs> okay, well that's, that's kind of makes it worse, no? Well, it's <laughs> wonderful because the diva thing is just high, high, high melodrama. So there's just marvelous emoting. And it's actually quite a gorgeous film with some amazing trick shots. Like there's a wonderful mirror um, scene where multiple mirrors where you truly are like, wow, where'd you put the camera kind of thing. So there's some really beautiful things for so early on. So anyway, I liked it, of course, because, you know, I, I like a lot of film that most people don't like. But you know, so I recommend it. If you ever get, it was a lost film. It's been restored. Rhapsody Satanica <laughs> for all of those silent film buffs out there. And what about you, Evgenia? What have you seen? Yeah, well, yeah, nothing, nothing that, I guess, amazing. So I haven't, I meant to see the new Mary Heron's film, Charlie Says, but turned out she was giving a talk before actually the premiere itself. So I only seen her talk about it, but mm-hmm. I, I'm going to probably see it next week or so when I have time. So basically Mary Heron made this um, kind of interesting side part to the story of Charlie Manson, just about the the females, like the ladies that got attracted to his cult and Mm. then ended up in jail. And I think, I think most of them are, some of them still in jail. Anyway, and, um, still definitely mm. in jail. That's right. So I, I, I don't know exactly on, uh, it's definitely focused on a few, on, on a few of those ladies and it's uh, original screenplay by, uh, God, I, I will now butcher her name, Genevieve something, someone who actually herself grew up in some, some kind of, Cult to her, probably early teens. I need to remember, she also wrote, I think, American or wrote American Psycho um, screenplay. So it seems like at least it's written, like created by like someone who knows about the 
the um, reality, I guess, of cult living. Right, that sounds way more interesting <laughs> you know, now. Yeah. yeah, that sounds more interesting, at least even if it's obviously wasn't like that necessarily charismatic kind of Charles mm-hmm. Manson leader in, in the cult Genevieve grew up in. But but anyway, so that that's kind of the premise. And um, I was really kind of fascinated that it's coming out now because everyone talks about the film by Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that right. also mentions the... or partially covers the Charles Manson story and it's coming out as well almost simultaneously so I it seems like Mary Heron was kind of perplexed and surprised herself when she found out that Tarantino is working on something along those lines mm-hmm. but um, but yeah but she obviously she said her film was so like small budget I think she said it's only like four million right. I, I admit very, I hadn't even heard it was coming out in all the serial tiny. killer movie news I hadn't even heard yeah well, it's, it seems small and also I mean I don't want to go in there but it's like about women and it's probably mm. a bit more <laughs> I don't know it's in other words it's God. not playing to the lurid fascination that's typical of serial killer movies so. it seems like it's <laughs> not it's not blood she said she's like more psychological because she's a fan of like Polanski basically it's not very it's not not gonna be like probably a huge spectacle like right. as, a, as a movie from from what the way she was like selling it but Though, it was interesting yeah. uh, the interesting part I asked her this question because she was saying she was developing this uh, film which, with a screenwriter for maybe like over five years and then right after the Harvey Weinstein uh, Weinstein mm. um, case happened basically the funding came through in a way oh, much oh, more well. easily which <laughs> which makes sense she, it's funny she's like cynical and ironic enough and doesn't take herself to serious just like well yeah it seems like now I mean even if it wasn't your intention but just generally uh, to make a film about some victimized women or mm-hmm. or whatever the tone of it is a bit easier yeah. now wow. than it was like literally like I don't know three years ago right right, right. right. damn she was like yeah whatever who cares thanks <laughs> and I'm like yeah whatever like however you get there and you know she obviously wasn't pandering to any momentum it was an accident it was in development wow so and another uh, aspect of the me too movement is you can now get your victimized women movie made damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a bit <laughs> funny, but at the same time, I mean, again, it's just co- coincidence. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe. But, I don't even know. You can guilt Hollywood types pretty easy. You know, they want to be on the true. bandwagon of whatever scenes. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> now, yes. But I'm saying that I actually, Mary Heron is no, like, she didn't seem to be like some kind of. Um, she wasn't trying to sell it that way. No, <laughs> it didn't seem to try to particularly use right. the momentum. Well, she did use it, I guess, just getting the funding but it's like yeah it was like a, a somewhat like a coincidence which is interesting well but yes yeah, so, and it's interesting mm-hmm. that she is of course i think most famous for american psycho so it's kind of yeah. like she's playing to her strengths here totally, I mean, yeah that might seem a little odd for someone who's you know an indie you know a proud indie filmmaker to be making <laughs> to be rivaling what's his face who's the guy who does all Tarantino. the no 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 the serial killer guy fincher <gasps> oh the fincher fincher's the serial killer yeah, guy yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know did you like you know it's been so long so I can't remember my feelings towards a movie American Psycho I thought I wasn't a big fan I'm not either did you like it not really I'm not thrilled with it it's it's so obviously significant in a way that that people all talk about it is yes it's really about our you know the the particular kinds of corruption corruption of 80s whatever yuppie Mm-hmm. Um, society and you're like yeah yeah you know every, we're breeding sociopaths blah 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 yeah yeah because she yeah she briefly mentioned it I did read the book when like a while back by Brad and Sales I thought the book was funny and I think mm-hmm. she did try to make the movie funny not just 
whatever mm-hmm. psychopath killing mm-hmm. Wall Street powerful <laughs> rich guy. But it was supposed to be he's kind of pathetic and funny because he's just like a OCD kind of mm. <laughs> clean <laughs> shaven freak. It's not necessarily very glorious. No, I mean, at but, least, that, but the talk mm-hmm. of the movie is is the the super levels of butchery and blood and all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's I what need to. Yeah, oh, go I, I need to rewatch it because I, I again just judging by her talk, supposedly she's not she wasn't showing that much blood. I don't mm. remember. I don't know if you remember that it was a lot of butchering. I, I trust you, but I need to, to like wow. Look Maybe at it again. I need to look at it again. Maybe yeah. That is, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Was there a butchering? I thought I remembered that there was. Yeah, okay. sorry. I need, we both are running. gonna have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember only parts of just like here and there. Like he was uh, Patrick Bateman, I think, naked running with yeah. a cha- chainsaw. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there should be some butchering if, yes. <laughs> yes. if I remember. If that's the premise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but do you know? Um, so, so since Tarantino is kind of, I mean, it's obviously he's not rivaling her or anything. But like, there's the movie uh, is it premiering in Cannes or what? I don't know. It's going to come out at some point this year, right? The, uh, Once Upon yeah. a Time in Hollywood. What do you know about it? What's the well, I'm not sure I, I really know authoritative stuff. I just remember okay. the, the initial impression created by the advance kind of hype about the film was that it was going to be a Charles Manson movie and it was all going to mm-hmm. be really focused on the Sharon Tate murder, the casting of the Sharon Tate <laughs> character. Margaret Roby was a big, or is it Margot Roby? I'm forgetting. Um, I think it says Margot. Uh, it was was all pretty much all all you were hearing, and then suddenly you're seeing previews and going, "Wait a minute! It's a this is about <laughs> a fading Western star and his stuntman." And then there's a section about apparently Sharon Tate, and I'm assuming the murders, but it, mm-hmm. it was just different from the initial impression, which is they you know marketers apparently went right for um, the Manson story, and everyone was saying, "My God, Tarantino's going to do the Manson story." So it's now kind of an intriguing thing to see like what else is it? It's it's clearly not going to be um, a like total soul, total soul focus on the Manson story, which is too bad because Manson's ties to showbiz, of course are really fascinating. If you follow Doris Day, famous, Mm -hmm. you know, studio star just died. And her son, Terry Melcher, was a record, uh, uh, like kind of a a music industry um, leading light of the 60s. And Manson was desperately trying to get a record deal from him. Um, He was an inspiring rocker. rocker. (laughs) Um, And he got turned down. And the, the killings at that address, 10050 Cielo Drive, um, were supposedly targeting Terry Melcher and his then girlfriend Candace Bergen. They were no longer living there, and instead it was Sharon Tate, Roman Polanski's wife, um, and her, mm-hmm. her various friends, most of whom were also show busy. Later, it turned out that they actually knew supposedly that the Melcher was gone, but that they wanted to. They were trying to send Melcher a message, like we can get at you, and they were supposedly sending him notes to his other addresses. So the Manson story, of course, they were they, they had had plans to go butcher. I think what was it, uh, Elizabeth Taylor, and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know they had lists of Hollywood stars they were planning to target. So they had this real beef um, against you know the film industry crossed over with the music industry and I so I thought oh my god Tarantino's gonna be all over that but and maybe he'll get some of it in there but it's not the sole focus for sure yeah I see but, yeah that's interesting well yeah, I wonder. I wonder how he does it. I bet it's, it's at least going to be funny. Well, and it's just as the of course the other 
you know, movie that's getting a ton of attention that's coming out, I think, almost immediately, I think, is the Ted Bundy film starring, of all people, pretty boy Zac Efron. And the strange thing is he actually looks, you know, once you get him in the makeup and stuff, he actually looks a lot like Ted Bundy. So it's getting a lot of press for maybe for that reason alone. So there's a lot of serial killer stuff going on right now <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah, it's interesting. I think... Um there's something about the serial killer thing. I wonder, you know, sometimes you forget. Is it my idea or did Mary Heron mention something like this? There's something about the kind of apocalyptic feel yeah. <laughs> of today that invites uh, sort of more of the stories. Oh, I think that's clear. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it kind of feels that way. Oh, another thing. It feels that there's a proliferation. Well, it's, this topic is close <laughs> to my heart because I, I, I'm developing a movie about zombies too. Uh-huh. But I know that Jim Jarmusch just premiered his zombie film, De- I think, Dead Don't Die. You should oh, right. like it because Dead Don't Die and in Canada just it. like yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it just came out and again it's some kind of post apocalyptic like consumer society you know, right now is zombie. Well, pretty simple metaphor. I'm not I don't know how interesting it is. It seems like doesn't have very raving reviews. I'm probably going to hate it because it's being oh, okay. amusing about zombies with a huge oh, yeah. star cast, all star cast. Huh. Um, but I might not. You never know. But I think since it's Jarmouche and I love my serious zombie movies, I'm probably going to hate it. But I think we should do an episode when it comes out for sure. You and I. About, See, we're just both about obsessed. Zombie? Just about, about zombie, zombie movies show. and we'll, yeah. we'll tie it to the premiere, you know, the, the, yeah. you know, the national premiere of the movie. What do you think? Yeah, good point. Yeah, I think we should definitely do it. I mean, if it's the movie itself isn't interesting, Mm -hmm. we can just use it as so we saw it, we hated it, it sucked, and then we move right into zombie movies. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, it's good point. Look, the zombie episode gonna should be like interesting for sure. That's (laughs) upcoming. That's upcoming. There's so many ways. Yeah, whatever. We'll we're not gonna talk about it right now. Yeah, moving on. We're moving on to our public service. (laughs) All right. Yeah, let's do that. Um. Yeah, okay. Oh, and so, we, we each have an mm-hmm. angle on this one. Before, it was just kind of yeah. like fairly contemporary movies that we thought, you know, great, surefire, you should see them. <laughs> now I'm moving off into a list of films that are kind of 1960s and before. So for a lot of people, it, the cutoff is they won't go f- any further back than the 80s or 90s. <laughs> or 90s. Say, yeah, more like 90s now. My students will not. Or most of oh, them. Yeah. I have to say, <laughs> just to brief, it's related. I, I met, I don't know, like last year or so. Something at a at a like a house party in New York. A girl, like, like a mm-hmm. young woman, uh, might be a bit younger than me in her twenties, and she said that she. I think she either never watched or doesn't watch movies before year two thousand. Oh my and god! I wasn't. I don't think she was like joking. Oh, I bet she was it, not joking. Do you know what I mean? No, no. So anyway, I that that I that I really remember that strikes me. So if if you talk about something that's like done pre nineteen sixty, it's yeah, just it's, it's ancient just, history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't even look were they human. I mean, you can't no, relate to any. You might of the as stars. well talk about you know. You might as well talk about silent film. You might as well talk about I don't know what <laughs> theater of the of the nineteenth century. You might as well just keep going right on back <laughs> because I know, it's I like know. why. Um, so I'm going to try to persuade some people that there are these certain films that can be like gateway drugs. They will get you through <laughs> to the other compelling films that are also old, i.e. pre-1960s. Um, so that's going to be my angle. And Evgenia, you had yeah. your own angle. So go ahead um, and tell us. <laughs> yeah, my angle, we just decided to go like real full educational. <laughs> so my angle, I decided to sort of share... Uh, and talk mostly about the like great Russian films that are just by nature of them being not in English, uh, are not 
just very necessarily known, even if uh, you can find them like online or mm-hmm. it might be it might be actually easy to watch them eventually. But so I'm going to talk about that because that's clearly, I guess, more of my specialty. And especially because uh, we probably have a lot of, I'm assuming, American listeners <laughs> and, you know, how Americans are. We just don't we just don't watch, <laughs> quote unquote, yeah. foreign film. <laughs> Americans kind of interesting. They're like, from what I understand until recently, now there are a lot of even even HBO shows with subtitles, not not just movies. But like, I think until like Americans just don't go, not going to read subtitles. Mm-hmm. It's not something. It's not something yeah. people are going to look for. Do you either do like re kind of what do you call it? Um, you translate the movie fully with like like they. Um, Guy, what do you, like new what do you call it not voiceover oh you know, dubbing like they all the dubbing yeah I, could, I forget the word either like redub the film or that's it or no well, one's gonna well, watch yeah, and it's a weird film. thing that you know every nation chose how they wanted to handle it when you when you got into the sound cinema and you know obviously many european nations many other countries chose dubbing and in america it was absolutely no going to be no, a no on dubbing but now you're kind of mm-hmm. like and i hate dubbing i can't handle it at all yeah but now you're like you're kind of wondering what if we made a really bad choice and if people would have much preferred dubbing and would have allowed them to watch other films i don't know yeah it's interesting i I don't know there's like a big soviet i won't go deep into it but i know that in soviet union there was like a pretty rich tradition of dubbing very meticulously with like many like really great actors and Mm -hmm. all this folly whatever doing like a probably a really good job Mm -hmm. but i bet they still butchered the original film even if they did a great job with this creation of it's hard not to you know so (laughs) even if you do it very well i think it's hard not to but yeah i know yeah, but and, so, and I, I prefer like subtitles, but yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It seems like people catching up. Right, <laughs> right. Anyway, so, anyway so, so yeah, that's our angles. That's our angles. So, so shall I start or shall you? Sure. No, you should. You should yeah, I think okay, you should I'll start. start. It's something surefire, and so um, a number of you might have already seen it, but if you haven't, and my it came to mind in part because my sister, my oldest sister, had told me she'd never seen Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, Whoa, and I was just like, right. "Geez, it's the most accessible, entertaining." Uh, suspenseful, spectacular film that's bound to work. It even used to always work for my students. Hitchcock in general at his peak works continues to work. You can still watch him. and my stu- But Rear Window especially, my students were wowed because they were really got that kind of edge of your seat. There's a period toward the end of the film where it builds to like peak tension and people were actually into it and then they'd come up at the end and be like, God, I'm amazed. I really got into that movie because it's a 1954 film. It's old. So how does it work? Is that kind of surefire bet to get you into older films? Well, it's a great, great example of that American tradition, which is a noble one, of committing art by stealth while you're doing really propulsive, exciting genre films so that everyone's going to love it and go see it. And if it has any deeper meanings or thematic content or whatever, you don't have to care. You can just watch it as like an amazing, a really enthralling, exciting film. Um, but if you want to get into it, there's just wealth, a wealth, a depth of, of um, what layers of meaning to the film that you can just sink into. So it can do everything for everybody and everyone can go away happy 
thinking they saw a different film. <laughs> so on the exciting part, it's just a very exciting expense. It's the one. It's been spoofed a million times and remade, loosely remade a million times. It's the one about the guy with the broken leg who's trapped in his in his apartment, in his bedroom, essentially, and he starts spying on the neighbors and he thinks he sees a murder. That's the one. And it's been redone and made fun of a million times. The Simpsons did a beautiful um, spoof <laughs> of it. Um, where supposedly Ned Flanders murdered his wife. That's what he thinks he sees, a man across the way murdering his wife. But the whole murder of the wife story, which you can just follow very straightforwardly, has huge resonance for the character played by Jimmy Stewart because he's having huge problems with his girlfriend, played by Grace Kelly, who wants to marry him, and he's desperately trying to get out of the marriage. You could also just take that as, oh, it's one of those 50s movies about bachelors who don't want to get married and who <laughs> only want sex, and it's not that, because guess what he doesn't want either? Sex! So he's got gorgeous Grace Kelly in his lap in one scene, desperately trying to turn him on, and nothing's working. Why? Because he's looking across the way at his neighbors. He, he's a voyeur, in other words. <laughs> well, like so, Hitchcock. <laughs> yes, and like, guess yeah. who else? The viewer, because Hitchcock's take is that watching films is like being, a, is essentially voyeurism. You've got this kind of different dynamic you're looking in, in instead of into a window a lit up window if you're a peeping tom out at night you're looking into lit up windows and that's what he shows us all the little apartments across the way look just like rectangular movie screens and also windows that peeping toms would look into 